So a lot of the times when we do the sync, I hear your clap, but I'm usually like clapping up here like a fucking idiot next to the computer. And so it doesn't pick it up on the microphone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I get, I always hear us go, yay, or yay! something. And it like, I'm like, okay, there, there it is. We That's the sync. It. We're so excited about our <laughs> clapping skills. We're like children. We are yay! so stupid. All right. Let's do our little intro and then we'll jump in. I love it. Do we say hello the same way every time? I know. <laughs> you know what? Welcome to Kyle and Courtney Have Questions, the podcast where we say hello the same time, the same way, every time. And we try <laughs> to figure out what the fuck this world is all about. We have so many questions. So every so week, many. we narrow it down to just one. And we do all the research. And we learn everything we can. And then we make you guys learn about it, too. Yeah, we do it so you don't have to. Yeah. Are you happy about happy now? Hope you appreciate us. Yeah. <laughs> happy now. Well, if she were a song, she'd be the best track on the album. It's Courtney Agnew. Oh, and you're going to need a map so that you don't get lost in his eyes. It's oh Kyle Russell. Oh, my God. <laughs> that sounds like a country song. It does. It really does. But you know what? <laughs> it's the best track on the album. <laughs> it is. You're absolutely right. Gotcha. Full circle pickup line. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, friend. Hello, friend. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm so wonderful. Yeah? Yeah. Even though it's Sunday night and I have to work in the morning, I'm still wonderful. Boo. Boo. Working and being an adult and being responsible. It's so lame. Well, Courtney, speaking of working, guess what? Tell me. I got a job offer. My interview went well. Um, They liked my work um, and they want to offer me a position as a junior designer um, for their. Amazing. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, They told me they were really excited. They see a lot of potential in me. Um, the, the salary was a little bit lower than what I wanted. So I'm going to have to go in and like negotiate a little bit, which is not something I'm used to or like doing. Same. Um, so I'm going to have to kind of like figure out if this opportunity is, is going to set me in a good place. Like, I don't know. It's like, um, it's like a, what is it? Like a scale, you know, the thing. Yeah. You got to weigh the pros and cons, man. Yeah. Get out that legal pad. Right. Do I take less now to build up my skills, but be stunted, you know, for the, you know, the duration of my career there yeah, or not and be stunted in my, my skill level, you know? So it's yeah. kind of like a, what are you going to do? I feel like, um, cause I had this conversation with, uh, my cousin, um, who is also a very good friend of mine. Um, she has done a lot of work with like HR stuff. So when I was looking for a job, I kind of talked with her about that. And I feel like that's a very common, I don't want to say like, like issue with our generation, but kind of a little bit. Cause like so many of us entered the workforce right around the recession. And we all have this kind yeah. of mindset of like, whatever you want to give me, I'll just take right. it. Just like, give me a job. And so we never, we never really did a lot of like negotiating for salary. Like I never really did that. And so I'm like, yeah. can you just like pay me money and then I don't have to ask for it? Like, <laughs> Right. Can we not, maybe just not do this? Yeah. Can you just 
how about I just like manifest it? I'll think it in my head and then you'll think the same number and then I'll get that and right. we'll never have to talk about it. <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I have a good feeling about it, but we'll see yeah. what happens. Just yeah. tell them to give you more money. <laughs> Look, I'm worth it. I'm, I, I promise I'm worth it. Baby, I'm worth it. Cue, <laughs> cue the song. Cue the song. <laughs> What's going on with you? Um, wait, I heard you say earlier that you go to a comedy show every week. Really? I do. I have been. Yeah. So this summer um, here in Pittsburgh, we have, it's called Steel City Arts Foundation or Steel City AF, as they like to say it. Um, Love that. For those who don't know, Pittsburgh is the Steel City. We were known for steel mills. So a uh, comedian, I really love Steve Hofstetter. He moved to Pittsburgh last February of 2021. He bought an old um, church and parsonage in the city and has is converting that into an art space. So he's um, creating like the, what, the main chapel area or whatever um, is going to be for like stand-up comedy shows and stuff like that. And they have like a podcasting loft and nice. all these different things. And then they do... Every year, I think they have three people that are awarded grants that for one year they get to live in the parsonage free of cost and mm-hmm. they get to just focus on their craft. So, very so cool. cool. Um, and they do, you know, uh, a couple comedians that have been living there have participated in the comedy show, but they do like five comedians um, every Wednesday at Hop Farm Brewing here in the city. And so it's a lot of fun. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's coming to an end though. Uh, it was originally just supposed to be for five weeks, ending in July, but they mm-hmm. extended it through the end of August initially. Um, I did not go to the show last week because I went to see Muna. You can talk about that. In a oh minute, yeah. But, um, so they have one this week. They canceled the show for next week. There's one the week after, and then the very last show of the month was also canceled. So I don't know mm-hmm. if it was just because. They couldn't find enough comedians with availability or what the deal was, but they you could have got up there. My tickets. <laughs> I'll be like, give me that microphone. I'm Let very funny. It. My mom I said got so. This. <laughs> I'll be like, Kyle said I was funny, you guys. Let me, let me up here. <laughs> let me up here. See? Let me get and up all, there. All see? you do is up there is like say balls. I'm gonna get up there and say balls. <laughs> Y'all wanna talk about humor? Balls. Let's talk about balls. What's the deal with balls? My oh, God, man! They'd be like, they'd you'd have like the old like farmers uh, shepherd's hook come and yes. yank you by the neck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I have always wanted to try stand up comedy because I think it would be really fun, um, but I have never, God. I've never attempted it. So you should, you really I, should. I have heard someone told me that there's a bar in town that does like open mic stand up. Mm. So maybe I'll have to like put together a bit and look into it. Oh my God, please do. <laughs> what are you drinking, friend? Uh, so I'm just drinking water right now. It's, Ooh, it's Sunday nah. night, so I'm behaving myself. Rest and refresh. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Um, I have water as well, but I also have some Johnny Walker Black on the rocks. Ooh, look at you fancy. Oh, ASMR. Get that ASMR. Clink, clink, clink. Do you like Johnny Walker Black? I don't. I am not a big... Get out of here. I'm not a big, like, whiskey bourbon person. I used to be. Mm. And then I had a really bad night. Oh, it's your forbidden alcohol? It was on my 21st birthday. It was not good. Um, I was in Italy at the time, and we went to a nightclub to celebrate my birthday and ordered, like, there you get drinks in, like, carafes. 
So we oh, ordered God. a carafe of uh, Jack and Coke for the table, and it was at least half Jack. And I, like a real classy 21-year-old American, ended the night by vomiting into the no. fountain at no. the piazza in the middle of town. So You were that girl. I was that girl. It was bad. Oof. It was bad. And I felt like garbage. Uh, so, yeah, that was <laughs> I before that. I, just, I would drink, I drank whiskey on the rocks. Like, I have photos of me in Italy drinking whiskey on the rocks in the street at a bar. Like, <laughs> and now oh I'm like, I smell it and I'm immediately like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. I love Johnny Walker Black. I love the smokiness of it. Yeah. I'm all about it. But I don't have it a lot. I have like, very seldomly, so I don't, because yeah. whiskey is also one of that one of those for me that I've had bad nights on it. Yeah. So I have it every month or so, like once a month. I'll be like, all right, maybe it's a whiskey night. Treat yourself. Yeah. You gotta treat yourself. <laughs> but yeah. So and then I had that Muna concert, which was Kyle. I can't even tell you how good it felt to go to that yeah. concert and just like. Be in a crowd of people and have great music and like jump up and down and dance and scream my head off. I had no voice um, after that. It was over 90 degrees here in Pittsburgh that day. Ooh, and although nope. the venue is air conditioned, when you put a couple hundred people in there, yeah, doesn't and they're all jumping and dancing, it does not it doesn't feel matter. Cool. I literally had like my paper ticket folded up in my back pocket. And when I came home and took it out, it was damp. Like the, it was wet just from, I was drenched in sweat. Ugh. Every article of clothing I had on was damp. I just like peeled it off, took a shower and fell into bed. It was just. Ugh. I hate that so much. It was awful, but it was worth it. Well, Courtney, what are we talking about this week? So this week we're talking about a topic that has been on my list mm -hmm. for months. What is so, it? So as, as you know. Back at the end of April, I attended CrimeCon in Las Vegas. Yes. Um, for anyone who's not familiar, CrimeCon is like a giant convention for the true crime community. Um, they have different sessions and panels that are hosted by different speakers, everything from like podcast hosts to <sighs> former FBI agents. Um, the whole Dateline crew was there, different, you know, survivors and their families. I mean, it's literally just like Mecca for true crime lovers. Amazing. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm absolutely obsessed with it. Like I've already bought my ticket for September of 2023 in Orlando. I bought it the, the first morning. Like <laughs> that's a big gap between, it's like a year and a half gap. Yeah, so they hold it in different months. It's not the same month um, mm. every year. Like one year it was in October. One year, like this year it was in April. One year it was in June. So they kind of, depending on where they hold it, like it's been in Austin and New Orleans. And so it's like it kind of moves around. Mm. Um, where is it next year? Next year it's going to be in Orlando. Oh, that's right. So, you just said that. Yeah, and so I have a few friends that are also going to go. Um, and a couple of us have already talked about like turning it into a week-long thing where we'll stay and go to like Universal or, you know, oh, something like that. my God. Yeah, drink around the world at Epcot. You know, fun fun adult things that you we didn't get to do. in September? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Kyle, I tried to get you to go this year and you wouldn't spend the money. You gotta go. <laughs> well, so maybe fun. if I maybe if this job comes through, maybe yes, it'll be a perfect opportunity. Guys, we're gonna start a GoFundMe. Send crops and Kyle <laughs> CrimeCon. <laughs> oh. Can we do a panel at CrimeCon? Just kidding. Oh my God, can we? I love it. I would love it. Um, but so anyways, this year one of the sessions that I went to was hosted by the stars slash 
subjects, I guess, of the documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats. Oh, my God. And so they talked about being an internet sleuth and, like, how to become one, which got me thinking, like, what is an internet sleuth and is that a good or a bad thing? Mm, Yeah, let's dive in. Yeah. So first of all, I want to highlight, like, at the beginning of their session, they had this really fascinating comment that I, like, immediately made note of. And they said, the internet is the new crime scene. Oh. And if you think about, like, how true is that? Like, obviously, we have online crimes, like, fraud and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But um, there are so many people who share so much of their lives online Mm -hmm. and a lot of people who like to kind of brag online that they may Mm. unwittingly share evidence of crimes online, um, Mm. which is basically the entire premise of don't fuck with cats. So just kind of real quickly for anyone who hasn't seen the documentary, it's on Netflix, but just kind of a quick overview of the plot. Um, A man starts uploading these videos of him like torturing and killing cats, which prompts this group of people like we have to identify him. We need to like bring him to justice. This is so fucked up. It's awful. Um, And they eventually do identify him as a Canadian man named Luca Magnata. And he is obviously very twisted, very weird. Like they find he has created, oh my God, absolutely a psychopath. They find that he's created like dozens of Facebook groups about himself to make it look like he's like this famous model and a millionaire and like a movie star. So like he's essentially just used the internet to create this fake persona of like who he wants to be. Um, And so in the film, they use a number of different methods to track him down just solely through his internet presence. And like he ends up escalating, he like murders a man and it leads to this like international manhunt and they eventually capture him in Europe. I think it was in Germany at an internet cafe. Like they track him down. It's so crazy. Highly recommend it. Slight trigger warning, like, it's the animal torture part of it is very upsetting, but they don't, like, graphically show everything that happens. They just kind of, they show clips of, like, here he is holding a kitten, and then it cuts away kind of thing. But it's upsetting. That is the reason I haven't seen it, because I cannot handle animal torture or animal cruelty. I can't do it. It's it's definitely upsetting. Um, So, first of all, like, what is an internet sleuth? What would you think that means, Kyle? So an internet sleuth is someone I would say like uses the internet to collect information or clues or piece together theories um, about solving crimes. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Somebody Hmm. who's just searching the internet to find out information about like a person or event to like collect evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, and so at CrimeCon, their panel discussion was basically a how-to guide of like how to be an internet sleuth, how to properly be an internet sleuth. So they so interesting. Yeah. So they covered a lot of like the methods and tools that they used to track down Luca Magnata and others. They actually have helped solve dozens and dozens of cases, most of them relating to animal cruelty. Like My friend and I even commented, we were like, this session should definitely have had a trigger warning because we are talking about some really horrific things that I didn't Mm. know were a thing. Like, it was upsetting. And it was like, it is 9 (laughs) a.m. I was not here to talk about someone throwing a puppy off of a No, 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 stop. What the fuck? Like, I can't handle that. It was awful. So... 
One of the most common tools that they talked about was identifying geotags Mm -hmm. on photos and posts to like identify locations. And so there's actually websites you can use. They mentioned one was called pick to map, like pick to map where you can upload pictures and the website interprets the metadata of the picture to identify the location of where it was taken. No way. Yeah. And so in the documentary, they like show this, they like take a photo that this Luca had posted on one of his profiles and they're able to like look at the images in the background, find like an estimated location. They pull it up on Google earth and they can, they find the exact building of like, he's in this building and based on the angle, he's somewhere between the eighth and 11th floors on this corner. No. Ridiculous. And so they go and like knock on the doors and they find a guy who's like, yeah, that's my buddy. He was here a couple weeks ago. Just oh. by uploading a photo to a website, they're able to narrow it down to all that information. That is insane. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> so That's some like my minority report stuff. Right? And when they were talking about this, all I kept thinking was, I remember there's information out there of like how you can turn that feature off on your phone camera. Mm -hmm. So like if you take a photo on your phone, it doesn't store that. Because they talk about how like parents posting like first day of school photos, here's, you know, little Susie at her first day of kindergarten. And then they post it on Facebook and it's like, creeps can pull that photo and upload it. And now they know your daughter's name and they know the location of her school. Uh, uh. Like... Creepy. Gross. It's creepy. Like, And they're the people and, who would be looking at these things. Exactly. Exactly. Like, they can use these powers for evil as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um, but they also mentioned there are software programs where they can, like, scan multiple social media posts. And it will provide a map of all the locations where they were posted. So they were able to do this with some of his profiles to, like, narrow down, like, where he made all of these posts and that's how they were able to discover he lived in Toronto. Wow. Wow. I believe it was Toronto. Now I'm second guessing. Montreal Uh-oh. was Toronto. It was Toronto. Let us know Shit. in the comments. I should have fact checked before I wrote this down. <laughs> um, it was Toronto or Montreal. It was in Canada. And it was one of those like kind of almost border cities, like real close to the US. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were able to narrow it down. They're like, most of his posts come from this area. He lives here. Like, this is where they're all coming from. He lives there. Get him. So that's how they were able to like contact like the local police there and be like, here's this guy. We know he lives in the area. Here's the video. Here's the information we found. Like it was, it was crazy. So another interesting thing that they, I learned about was email headers. Do you know what an email header is? Like the, and I'm, I guess not. Like, what would you think an email header is? Because I, I guarantee w- it's the same thing I thought. Like the salutation? I don't know. So my thought when I was like, email header. Okay, like so you have like the subject line? and the body. So I'm like, the email header must be like, to this, from this, here's the subject, here's the date. Like that little info that's at the right. top of the email, right? No, no, no. Every email platform has a header that automatically collects the IP address from where it was sent And it follows the path of the email, where it went, who it was going to. Like, it collects all of this data, like, hidden in the background. And so it's like this virtual paper trail of where the email came from and where it went. And they were able to use this to identify where someone was sending an email from. So when he's, like, sending emails to people, they were able to look and be like, he's in an internet cafe in Berlin. 
Oh my like, God. They can track this. That is so wild. Right? But also so fascinating. Like I had no idea that just sending an email could like have all of that information just right. like embedded in the background. Right? right? It's all code. Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. Um, it's like cookies. cookies. It's all tracking. Cookies. Cookies and headers. <laughs> Yay. Um, so another like tool or method that they used was called social engineering. Okay. Have you heard of that before? I've heard that term before, yeah, but I, I'm not sh- quite sure what it means. Okay. So social engineering is when you create a fake profile to engage mm. with someone. It's catfishing is what gotcha. it is. Sounds right. Um, but it's like catfishing for good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so like the goal of this is to basically connect with a subject or a suspect and try to collect information that you can then pass back to law enforcement. Mm. Now it's like going undercover almost. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So now when they talked about this, they were like very strict and adamant of like, we have a lot of warnings when it comes to social engineering. Yeah. Big warnings, a lot of warnings. First of all, you need to create an entirely brand new, totally made up email address on a public anonymous platform that has no relation to your real name. Mm. no relation to your actual identity. So like you should not create one that's like Chicago Kiki. You right. should be like San Diego Juan. <laughs> like, you know, like you have to make something up really crazy. And that's what they just kept saying. They're like, nothing, nothing should be linked to your real identity. Um, right. Cause you're dealing with potentially dangerous people. Yeah. And it's like, don't use real photos of yourself. Don't use your real name. Do not list your real location. It should be completely anonymous, completely fabricated. Nothing that could ever possibly be linked back to you. Mm. And that's something that they really emphasized a lot is like, if you're doing this, you need to make sure that you stay anonymous. Don't let people know who you are, where you are. Like that is so crucially important. The one woman in the documentary, I can't remember what her real name is, she goes by like an online alias of like body moving, but it's like mm-hmm. B-A-U-D-I, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's like her online alias. Um, but somehow this Luca Magnata discovered that she lived in Vegas and she worked at a particular c- casino and he started sending her like death threats. Like she would get messages of somebody sitting in that casino with like uh, like a photo of like that from their perspective of sitting in the casino of and like her? even her boss was like calling her in and being like hey we're getting like threats and emails and messages like about you being here so it's like i don't know if they actually determined that he had actually if it was legit like that he had flown there and actually gone to the casino or if he'd pulled photos from somewhere or whatever but it was like he figured out who she was where she worked all of that stuff and was like sending her threats. And like, she was like, I had to back off for a while. Like I had to stop participating for my own safety and like take time off work and hide at home until oh, no. we could be sure that like he wasn't around. No. So it's like, even somebody like this, who's like in a documentary teaching you how to do this stuff. She, she was attacked. So it's like, you have to be so, 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 so careful. Yeah. So, so careful. Oh, that's like, so scary. So scary. The fact that somebody would like, fly from Toronto to Vegas to stalk you at your workplace? Psychos. Terrifying. Terrifying. 
So they went through a lot of different like common tools that they use in online investigations and they actually have a website. I will link it when we post this episode, but mm-hmm. the website is called abproject.org slash OSINT, O-S-I-N-T. Um, and AB Project is Animal Beta Project. So, cause again, a lot of their work is about animal cruelty. Yeah. Um, but they list and link all of the different tools and references that they recommend and use to be internet sleuths. So some of the ones that they use, Google, they Mm -hmm. use maps to identify locations. They search to match up like email and phone numbers. Like they showed they were using like Google earth to like confirm that, okay, here's the photo we have. Here's the location. We think let's pull it up on Google earth. Yep. That's the exact same statue. He was standing on the second step of that set of stairs. Like they could narrow it down. It was crazy. Um, another one, Zillow finding listings of, um, like, you know, addresses, locations where you suspect a crime took place or a criminal is like hiding or living. Mm -hmm. So like with the, um, the videos that this kid was posting, they were all in his room. And so they were like looking for clues in his room of like, okay, here's a vacuum we see in the corner. Let's find, see if we can find that model vacuum. All right. We found it. It's only sold in North America. So we know he's in North America. Okay. He has this blanket. What's that blanket? That blanket's sold from Walmart. So that could be us or Canada. Like they, they were going oh, through all of that, but the guy was like, we could also get an idea of like the address we think they're at look it up on Zillow. Like I sold a house in California three years ago. You can look that address up on Zillow and all the photos of that house are still up there. Oh yeah. With like, you can see my couch. You can see my photos that I had hanging on the wall. Like all that shit is still on Mm -hmm. the internet. So they could go and look and be like, yeah, this is the living room that that guy is sitting in. Yeah. Here's the address. We know where he is. Crazy. That's so awesome. Um, Another one, obviously, government records. Like, a lot of records are public, so you could search for, like, prior arrests, prior Mm -hmm. court cases with that person's name. Uh, The other one that they recommended, visual investigative scenarios. What do Hmm. you think that is? Visual investigative scenarios? Um, Yeah. I have no clue. This is basically that meme of Charlie from It's Always Sunny. Where you have like a bulletin board with all of your oh evidence my God. hung out as like a visualization. <laughs> the web. The red strings and circles. Like <laughs> it's all of that just to give you that big visual of all the evidence and information that you've collected. That makes um, sense. Yeah. Now, another thing they mentioned, I couldn't find the same term referenced anywhere else, but they called it a W5 dossier. Okay. And that's just essentially like, like journalism. Who, what, where, when, why collecting the who, what, where, when, why, putting all that information together with the intention of providing that to law enforcement. Just giving them all that information. Now, go ahead. I wonder if W5 is the name of that little, the prong. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? I don't know. Maybe. It's like a U prong that just comes up. Yeah, I tried searching W5 dossier and nothing came up. Mm. It was just like, what's a dossier? I was like, no, that's not what I'm looking for. (laughs) Um. But one of the things that they recommended with that is like, if you are planning on on doing that, they really mm-hmm. recommend using like actual law statutes for the why portion to really force law enforcement's hand of like, here's the specific statute that's being right. broken by this action. Um, and 
when it comes down to it, that's really the most important piece of all of this. I think a lot of people get caught up in this, like, I'm going to get online and I'm going to solve a crime. No, you're going to collect information and you're going to give it to the professionals and they are going to work the case. Um, Because as an internet sleuth, that's what you are. You're a sleuth. You are someone who is looking for clues, collecting clues, evidence. Um, You're not the person who is responsible responsible for like bringing someone down. Mm, Um, That is absolutely where law enforcement has to take over. And that's really like where this conversation turns to whether or not internet sleuths are helpful because there Mm. are major pros and cons to this idea of, of internet sleuths. So one of the biggest benefits is the fact that internet sleuths are just volunteers. It's just individual people who are really passionate about what they do. They want to help out. They want to, you know, rid the world of evil. (laughs) They want to be superheroes. Um, But law enforcement doesn't always have the capacity to chase down every single case especially cold cases. I think I saw that it was like 37% of law enforcement agencies even have a dedicated unit for cold cases. Wow. So that's having, mm. right. That's depressing. Yeah. It's so depressing. So like having these people who are willing to spend their own time doing these investigations and collecting evidence that can be a huge help and a huge time saver for police and also help victims and their families to like get justice for things that have happened to them. Like if the police aren't able to dedicate their time to that because they have too much new stuff happening and coming in every day, the fact that Joe Schmo sitting at home is able to find some evidence and help close the case is a huge deal. Yeah. Agreed. But there are also quite a few cons Related to this. So first of all, as we discussed, it can be dangerous for you yeah. to be an internet sleuth if you don't do it correctly. Um, or sloppily. Right. And so that's the other point. It's not just dangerous for you. It can also be dangerous for the case. If you're not careful about how you collect the evidence, like you could endanger the possibility of securing a conviction. If you right. collect evidence in a way that's illegal and can't be used in court, it doesn't help move anything forward. Right. Or if you like end up outing some particular information that's only only the cops have, like it could, you know, yeah. jeopardize the legitimacy of like them moving forward on things. Yeah, exactly. And it can also be a negative thing because so many people want to, you know, be the hero. If you have too many people who are trying to like collect information and pass it on to law enforcement, like I think law enforcement kind of has a bit of a reputation for not liking outside input. Yeah. Like they might view it as someone like telling them how to do their job or being like, Hey, I did it better than you. Right. You can imagine them getting like dozens of people sending emails or calling you or showing you up, showing up and being like, Hey, I solved the case. Here's all the stuff you never found. I did it. I like, they might be like, Hey, go fuck yourself. I don't know you. I don't know what you did. (laughs) Like, so They might get very skeptical about that. They might not be willing to trust it. They might, you know, yeah, sure, whatever you say, I'll get to that later. I have this murder case from yesterday on my desk. That's not top priority. Right. Like, they might just kind of brush it off and not take it very seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, like, I mean, also, they would definitely have to worry about the quality of work being done because they're not involved or monitoring anything that you've done. So, like, how do they know they can trust your work? 
Right. How do they know it's accurate? It was collected appropriately. Like it can be very difficult for them to trust that when they're dealing with untrained investigators. Right. So that was kind of the purpose of this workshop and of their website was to be like, if you're going to do this, here are all the proper steps you need to follow to make sure that you've done it right. You have everything that you need and you are giving the absolute best possible evidence to the police when it comes to that. Right. You're not just going like, hey, I, you show me that picture and I think this was the guy. So here it is. His name's Joe Smith. Go get him. Like, <laughs> Right. Also, don't out anyone that you see. No doxing. Yeah. <laughs> don't, yeah. Don't name anyone yeah. in the public because yep. you could ruin someone's life. And yeah, and so that's actually like the last con that I wanted to mention is like the negative impact on others. So a couple of examples, after the um, racist march, rally, whatever in Charlottesville, mm. um, there was a man who was incorrectly identified as having attended the march based on photos that were shared. Uh, people shared his social media profiles, his photos, his address online. He received like just a relentless wave of like hatred and harassment and threats. He even lost his job and it was not him. He wasn't I think I remember that. Same thing happened with the Boston Marathon bombing. We had oh. these like grainy photos of like two guys with dark hair and baseball caps. And like, I think Reddit was one of the worst, like, you know, mm places for this there were dozens of different men who were identified by name and photo on this website and it was like it led to just like relentless harassment of these innocent people who had nothing to do with it because they were like yep looks like this guy steve that i used to know so here's his picture here's his name here's his address he works here and it's like oh no it wasn't him like when you have that information if you think you have that lead you give it to law enforcement you don't fucking put it online yeah. That doesn't accomplish anything. Yeah. Haven't like, we learned that there's uh, an innumerable amount of psychos online? Yes. <laughs> and I feel like that's such a, I mean, with like our our dedication to being online, like this is such a cultural issue now. It's like people want to get that attention be like, I solved it. I know who that is. Oh, right. I know that guy. Yep. I'm yeah, everybody the hero. look at me. I want the platform. Right. And it's like, you don't, you, you get so so focused on it. You're so quick to decide, like, here's the answer. I knew the answer. I had it. And it's like, here's the bad guy. Let's make him pay. Everybody get after him. But you don't know for sure. You don't have that hard evidence. Like, it's so important for us to like withhold that judgment, like give that information to the right people, Mm -hmm. let them do the legwork, let them find the evidence, let them lock it down. And then we, when we are certain that this is the person then you can be like, yep, that was Steve. I knew him and he was an asshole back then. Like, right. you know, then you can talk about it if you want to. But like, yeah. if you just suspect it, keep your fucking mouth shut. Yeah. So overall, what are your thoughts? Do you think internet sleuths are helpful or harmful? Overall, I think they're helpful. And I think they're helpful because... Like you said before, it's a number of people that are devoting their time on cases that law enforcement may not have the time to devote to. So overall, I think they're helpful. I mean, especially we saw just recently in the case of Gabby Petito, um, where people were saw they were living their life online and saw, you know, uh, whatever his name was. Uh, I don't remember what his name was. I have some info on that one. Yeah. Right. And they like saw the van in someone's video of them driving by and like him outside the van. It was just like, yeah, you know, that was pretty wild. 
Yeah. So that like, that was actually one of the uh, recent cases that I wanted to mention because like when that first hit the news, like the online community literally just exploded to discuss the case. Um, And so in like some social media posts, like users were pointing out how Gabby's last two Instagram posts didn't have a tagged location, but all of the other ones did. Mm -hmm. And you know, they did extensive research into like her Spotify playlists and like when were they last played and when was information added to them and, you know, what books had Brian Laundrie been posting about reading and, you know, what were the hiking trails that they checked in at to like find their locations. And, you know, it was like, that was the key element of solving that was that individuals were searching for the posts around that time of their of her disappearance they reviewed the footage that people had posted online and mm-hmm. you know all that stuff and that's you know that woman heard on the news of like hey we think they were here she's like that's when i was there let me pull up my video right pull up. yeah there it is there's the white van it's right at this spot and like that's that's how they narrowed down the search area and found her fucking body right that's how it happened mm-hmm. because that woman found the van in her video and was like, it was right here. Right. And they found her. And I feel like there's like a level of responsibility yes. um, and uh, tact or caution or, or one of those, one of those words, <laughs> but like it, it's an amount of like having respect for the process that it's like, you know, let's not go crazy. Let's use our judgment and uh, you know, let's process through these things rather than just being like, Hey, did it, which he did, but you right. know, <laughs> and then yeah. turning into like a witch hunt. Right. And so I think that's where like, I do agree with you that overall they are helpful, but it's like, it's something that if you want to do it, you have to learn how to do it appropriately and yep. safely. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just be like, I'm going to look online and find all the answers. No, you need to understand like how to protect yourself, how to get the information appropriately so that it can be used to actually solve the case. Yeah. Um, Another really major example of this that I wanted to point out, the January 6th insurrection. Oh, The FBI literally yep. looked at the American people and was like, bitches, solve this case. Yeah. Like, internet sleuths have been looking through people's social media posts, comparing images to ones released by the media and by the FBI to identify the insurrectionists. Like, the FBI created a website where you can submit the tips and submit screenshots and, like, let them know if you've identified someone. You can put in all their information, you know, post as many screenshots as you want. I actually submitted a tip. Did you? (laughs) Of of a guy from my hometown uh, who went and then was posting about it all over his Twitter and his Facebook. And someone made a comment. They were like, hey, did you see this guy from Meadville posting that he was there? And I'm like, no, what's his name? Looked it up, found the information, found his Twitter, took some screenshots, sent that shit to the FBI. That motherfucker got arrested. <gasps> Holy shit. I don't know the status of his case, though. I should look that up. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't say his name. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, like, I didn't, I don't even know him. I've never met this man in my real life, but it was like a friend and I had been talking about like, oh, you know, there's some redneck assholes from our town that went down there and did this. Right. And she was like, yeah, I just heard like a friend of a friend knows this guy and saw and showed me this post. You should check it out. And I was like, oh, I'll fucking check it out. I'll check it out right over to the FBI. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like that answers my next question for you, which was going to be, Courtney, do you think you could be an internet sleuth? But (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think it's one of those things of like, 
I don't know that I would be as intense about it as the people in Don't Fuck With Cats. Like I'm not yeah. going to spend hours a day combing through social media and all this. Like I, I'm not, I'm yeah. just not going to do that because I have too much other shit to do, which sounds so selfish to say, but also like, I'm not a police officer for a reason. Right. Exactly. But it's, you know, in that instance of like, if something's been brought to my attention of like, hey, this person has posted publicly that they've been doing some illegal shit or, you know, this person is missing and I just saw that they were out to dinner with them. Like, yeah, we'll fucking tell someone about it. Like, absolutely. If you see something, say something. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> we're concerned citizens. Yes. Citizens arrest. Yes. Citizens arrest. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean... You know, I, I think it's I think it's really fascinating, and I think that is one of the kind of the cool. Well, I, I'll say cool, but I think it, you know it's a double edged sword kind of thing of the internet that yeah. has given so much power to the people to be able to do that. Like previously, there was no way for you to do this kind of stuff. Like right. if there was a murder investigation, if you weren't a police officer, you weren't fucking involved in it. Like you didn't have yeah. any any way to collect you had to sit information back and watch everything unfold. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's really interesting, um, you know, in the fact that so many people do share their life online so much mm -hmm. that it's like they're going to fuck up and they're going to, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's very fascinating. Hmm. Well, but, it's also interesting. It's like the whole idea of like disseminating information and like the mm -hmm. whole somebody knows something. Yeah. And if exactly. this information gets far and wide enough, maybe someone will receive it you know yeah right exactly exactly so um mm. as far as the references that i use most of what i got was from the crime con panel like i was on my phone like taking notes as we're my friend was <laughs> like what are you doing i was like i'm totally doing a podcast episode on this like we hadn't even posted an episode yet and i was like this is fucking this on is the list in. like <laughs> um and then I also um, looked at their website. Again, I will share it when we post this, but it's abproject.org slash OSINT. Mm -hmm. And then I found a really cool article that was from the Pumphrey Law Firm. <laughs> I don't know. Well, okay. <laughs> I just searched like internet sleuths and first thing came up was Pumphrey Law Firm. Um, and it was called Internet Sleuths and True Crime, Helpful or Hurtful to Cases. Mm. So it had some really cool insights. Nice. Um, but yeah, I just think it's really fascinating like yeah. that that people have the ability to help make make justice happen. Like yeah. people have that that ability to to do that. I mean it's, it's so fascinating. It really is. It really is. It's it's crazy. You guys in a good way. If you're gonna be internet sleuths out there, be careful. Do yes. it right. If Don't get crazy. Been, if you've been an internet sleuth, if you've helped in the past, tell us about it. I used to do fraud checks for my old job when big yeah. orders would come in. So I'd have to do internet sleuthing, like looking for people's Google and Facebook and on yeah. Spokio and Google Maps and like looking at their addresses and things. Yeah. Um, it was crazy. One of my uh, one you of my mean, old friends, that's we used to we used to call her the FBI. Because you could be like, <laughs> I met this guy the other night. His name's Matt. He's he works for like a realtor or something. And she'd be like, I know him. Sorry, I found him. His name is Matt Jones. He works at this realty company. His boss is this person. He lives in this town. He lives. Like, <laughs> I gave you a first name right. and an occupation. How if did you, you find it all? If you were in your thirties, you'd be amazed how much information is out there on the internet about you. 
It's terrifying. Listen, it is. about 10 years ago, someone introduced me to Spokio and it has haunted my dreams ever since. <laughs> Spokio. If you guys don't know, Spokio literally has every little bit of information about you and people can buy it. Yep. Yep. I could literally go you out can, there. I could, I don't have to do a search Kyle's name. It'll tell me who his sisters are, who his friend, like mm-hmm. I could get Joe's information. And from there I could find out who Joe's mom is. I could buy her address. I could yep. show up at her house. Like uh, it's a, creepy. For a monthly fee, you can access all the information. Yep. <laughs> well, that this just was, baffles me how that is legal. It, seriously. But like, I mean, we are no wonder stalkers here. can fucking find everybody. I know. It's terrifying. Courtney, I think this might have been one of my top favorite episodes so far. It's fascinating, right? I love the whole and idea of internet. It speaks to our love of true crime. It really so. does. It really, really does. It's so great. Oh, I love it. Okay. Are you ready for a would you rather? Hit me with it. Okay. Would you rather go to the concert of your favorite artist, but be way at the back, or go see an artist you sort of, sort of like, but have VIP tickets? Um, Way at the back. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's like, I would rather, I would, I, I don't want to pay to see an artist I don't really care about, especially VIP tickets. Um, But like, <laughs> I just went, I just went to see um, the Backstreet Boys a month ago. Oh my God. It was like childhood favorite. Loved it. We were literally at the very back of the venue. I mean, by choice, it's like an amphitheater. And we just sat at the very back on the grass and like, I could hear everything. I could see the stage. I could see the screens. I was good. I didn't need to be up front. Right. Crushed among the people. I was good. As long as I can hear the music and I have room to dance Mm -hmm. and jump around like a maniac, I'm happy. I love being up front. But at the same time, like, I don't want to pay the major ticket prices to be up front, you know? Um, But I also just wouldn't go see a concert that, like, I wouldn't go see Madonna because I'm like, eh, who cares? Yeah. You know, even if I got, you know. I kind of like general admission concerts for that reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the the Muna concert I went to, it was general admission. Mm -hmm. Like, you just, it was just an open room and there's a stage on one end. So it was like, we were just able to kind of like find a spot where it's like, okay, there's not a lot of people here yet. We'll just stand here. Or maybe like 15, 20 feet back from the stage. It wasn't far. It's a small venue, but it was like, I don't need to be in the front row right up against the stage. I don't care if they see me. They don't know who I am. Right. (laughs) I feel like there's like some concerts where it pays to be up front, like concerts that are like a spectacle, like, like the Chromatica ball tour. Oh yeah. I feel like it would be so amazing to be right up front because there's so much visually happening. Yeah. Um, But I mean, I, I really, I guess it really just depends on what your priorities are. And I think that, I think it depends too. Because, like, thinking of, like, spectacle, like, I've been to a couple Taylor Swift concerts because Mm -hmm. she puts on an amazing production. And my friends and I went to the Reputation Tour. I saw the Um, pro shot of that one. It was really cool. It was fucking amazing. And we were – it was at um, the – I'm forgetting the name of the stadium where the 49ers play down in Santa Clara. Mm -hmm. Um, But we were, like, kind of up in the, you know, higher levels, kind of off to the side. But – we had a great view because she goes from like the front to the back of the stadium. And it was like, we could see everything. If you were in the front row, you would have been like turning around and like, now she's so far away and I can't see what's happening. And so it was like, it was kind of nice being further back because you could see everything that was going on. Yeah. Um, And so that I didn't mind. I mean, it definitely would have been cool to be like up front and see some more of the details that were going on. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm usually of the mindset of like, if I can hear it, I'm good. 
Yeah. I'm good. We went to see Ariana Grande at United Center and we were on the floor, but we weren't like right up on the stage. We were close yeah. enough. We were like the next section back. Yeah. Um, and it was really, really fun. It was actually a really good show. That bitch can sing. We, uh, that just reminded me. So I t- talked about seeing Baxter Boys last month. This was like our, we called it our reunion tour. Um, my mom and her friend Kelly, Kelly's daughter, Abby is my age. And they took us to see Baxter Boys when we were 12. It was the first big concert we went to. We drove to Pittsburgh. We stayed in the same hotel as the band, walked across the street to the venue. We were in the second to last row in the top section. Like we were (laughs) in the farthest possible seats. We also discovered, we all had forgotten this. The opening act when we saw them was Destiny's Child. Oh my God. I saw Destiny's Child in 2000 and I didn't remember. (laughs) Oh my God. That's incredible. Oh, it was so funny. But, I, but it was amazing. Like, it was the same thing then. Like, I was 12 years old. I was like, I don't give a shit. I'm so excited right now. I'm yeah. seeing them. Like, this is amazing. I would have been more excited about seeing Destiny's Child. My God. Well, because they weren't a big thing yet. They yeah. were the opening act. So it right. was like, we just kind of didn't remember, like, yeah, these girls are singing. Whoever that is, whatever. Where's my boyfriends? Like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but oh my yeah, God, so that's what we kind of joked when we sat in the back. And we were like, oh, this is... This checks out. This is just yeah. like last time. <laughs> All the way in the back. Awesome. But always a good time. All right, you guys. So. That's all we have for you on our 15th episode of Kyle and Courtney Have Questions. Can you believe we're at 15 already? My God. I can't believe um, it. Everyone, make sure that you share our podcast. Tell yeah. everyone to listen. Let everyone Keep know. Keep us alive. Keep, Keep us, us alive. alive. <laughs> all right, you guys. We will talk to you next time. Can't wait. Goodbye. Bye.